0: Time had passed since our work with Wonder Woman, and I had been thoroughly disappointed by the great sorcerer, but we made do with the cases we had on our plate at the time. Settling back into the office, we prepared to tackle a much larger project than before. As we laid out our plans for the ambitious endeavor, a harried woman burst through our door, demanding aid. She needed our help to find Dr. Fate.
1: Hi, I'm John screw you, John, I've had real Americans stuck in my head for the past two hours. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, I actually listened to that song today. Good! It's not even an awful song, but wow, is
0: it 80s? Oh, yeah, no, see, the thing is, oh, that's Matt, by the way, he didn't explain that. And we're the DC Detectives, and it is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Okay, so yeah, I'm a Real American isn't a bad song. Um, <laughs> what's really interesting, though, is because I've started to get more and more into this, is that the custom songs are really dope. Like, Shinsuke Nakamura's Sunset Rising Sun, is sun song good.
1: is amazing. Glorious is actually really Yeah, cool. Glorious like, It was actually used as walkout music for... Uh, at an All Hands that we had recently they they everybody did their own thing it's so good man I love that
0: song like I'll have to play you some of the better ones like since you went to the the last show with me like you heard some like Dean Ambrose is like super dope it's just like that huge guitar riff or mm. God, there's some really good ones out there that are just surprising. And back in the day when they used to commission real artists to do them, like they had Motorhead for Triple H for a while, which was the game, and it was a super
1: solid Uh, song. Honestly, like Glorious was a good cut for someone to use. Like, I was, I did not expect that everybody else was like, okay, we got a little sweet child. We got a little welcome to the jungle. All right, classic. Nice. Well done. Well (laughs) done. I actually, uh, when I was watching
0: NXT recently, he came out, and they, it's very interesting when. NXT only has like an hour to do a show. Mm -hmm. So you think of commercials as well. So that's actually only about 40 minutes, which is why there's only about three fights in an NXT episode. Mm -hmm. If Bobby Roode is the last fight, and Glorious, or Glorious Domination, is about 2 minutes and 30 seconds. Oh, wow. They up-tempo the song, and it completely <laughs> ruins all, like, the majesty of it. It's just like... You, you gotta shorten it instead of condensing it. God, yeah. I was like, oh, that sucks, because it's such a good song, and it's just like, I'm trying to sing along with it. I'm like, why is it too
1: fast? And it was just, ugh. A poor job of taking a song and trying to fit it into, like, a 30-second mm-hmm. trailer hate it yeah it's not speaking of trailers i don't know how to make segues so we're gonna talk about dr fate today oh man
0: oh man (laughs) i had no
1: idea how to get that did you guys
0: think we were done with this shit no this ain't a game this is real life we finally got these comics after i got my refund because that other one never came
1: (laughs) and guess who writes him Uh, uh, Gardner fox Oh, I was so excited for somebody different,
0: but I couldn't foreseen this. I honestly, I have a, I think I have a bookmark on the Wikipedia page of comic characters released by date mm. and by individual. So it's just literally a list of comic characters through history and the day that they are first appearance and who created them. And I'm, like, I could have seen this coming, but I chose to just have faith, and that's what I get for hoping. So. Yeah, we're doing Doctor Fate today because we made such a big hoopla about it. And we finally got it, and boy, howdy, is this a tome! Like, yeah, it's a brick. It's an extra hundred and sixty pages, maybe hundred and forty pages more than the normal one of these. Those are us- those usually clock part. at about two twenty, um, with you know mm. table of contents and etc. included. Um, this is about three hundred and sixty eight pages of Doctor Fate. No full issues, just Doctor Fate showing up in more fun comics uh interesting fact if i'm remembering this correctly more fun comics was the first publication that dc had before they were dc and then with the money for more fun comics they then started detective comics and then after that they started action and etc 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 so mm-hmm. the archive at the dc comics building is painted uh the door to the archive is painted to look like the first cover of more fun comics and that was a thing nice. I learned when I went to the DC archives. Uh, if I'm remembering that correctly, the guy who was doing the tour was a font of information and was amazing at, like, knowing literally everything, and I just I was struggling to keep up with him, but it was a really nifty thing that I had never thought about, and Dr. Fate's first appearance is in more fun comics. Uh, so we've gotten, what, like, All-Star, All-American, Sensation, uh, Flash Comics, action detective more fun yeah those are all the publications we've done don't don't look sit don't look at me like you're impressed how would i not know that at this point it's just like if i screw something up it's more impressive
1: uh, honestly is it is it like zazz where you're just every time you have to suffer <laughs> through it you're just carving it on
0: i'd have a lot of gardner fox scars <laughs> oh, oh boy yeah um Hi, Joanne. Joanne's very mad at us, because after I edited and listened to the last episode, she was just shaking her head and toe-tapping at us, dragging our feet through Diana's Day. Because that took way (laughs) more out of the the actual summary than it actually was supposed to, because we we
1: mingled into summary and expository. You couldn't just gloss over it. That's the thing. That that was was one of those ones that you could not just skim through.
0: Diana's Day was a whole thing, and it was just... We couldn't stop that, and that train had to roll. Um, I promise, uh, Joanne, that we're going to be a little bit better about this today, because we're going to be moving and shaking, but there's a lot to cover here, and there's a lot to digest. 25 issues? 20 issues? About 20 issues. I stopped. We we go from More Fun Comics number 55 to More Fun Comics number 75, so that's about a year and and a half of comics, um, give or take, uh, depending on issues and length. And these are only about 10-page stories. Ten yeah. to twelve pages. Uh, Doctor Fate had to get real fancy real quick. So we're just just jump in if you're if we're all good if we're not talking about wrestling entrance music anymore. <laughs> Which I could literally talk about all night. I, I'm aware. I know. I'm aware. I haven't even had my drinks yet. And it's a Friday. Alright, Joanne. You ready? Okay. More fun comics, number fifty five, May nineteen forty. Dr. Fate fights the sorcerer Wotan in his first appearance, meeting Inza. Well, we are introduced to Inza, who is Dr. Fate's sidekick, significant other, maybe, question mark? Wotan is actually a very common mystical character that shows up a lot. You actually may be familiar with him in... Young Justice. He shows up in the episode where all the bad guys uh, banish all the kids and the adults to different dimensions, and Wotan is in the circle with Clary and the Witch Boy. I'm really throwing out some oh, deep I cuts. I forgot about if that. If you watch Netflix, uh, Young Justice, it's all there. Please do. Season yeah. three is coming out soon. And Is uh, it actually soon? Yeah, well not like soon, but like they're making it. So yeah, soon, yeah, sure. Sooner than it was sooner mm. than never working on it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but Wotan shows up in a media that is more recent than these comics. So I if you're curious about that, about that, I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> and also, weird note, Doctor Fate does not get his origin story in his first appearance. We're gonna gloss over that and come back to it later. More fun comics number fifty six, June nineteen forty. He fights Wotan again because in the end of number fifty five he thinks he kills Wotan, but then he tries and goes to the sticks dimension. The 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 world mm-hmm. of the river sticks, which yeah. is strange to me that there's a world of the river sticks, but we're not gonna talk about that. And he goes to look for Wotan, the god of wisdom or something, at the top this really well-lit staircase. Basically says, he ain't here, go find him upstairs. And so he has to go back to the living
1: world. The one and... named Goku does not wish to return. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So he just has to fight Wotan again. And Dr. Fate does something that he... He, it's a, he starts a trend with Wotan here of imprisoning. Mm-hmm. And he imprisons Wotan in the center of the earth in a bubble of air in stasis. And just says, never again shall you be up here. And stuff, which we know will never be true. Uh, So Wotan is pretty much taken care of and imprisoned. More Fun Comics, number 57, July 1940, Dr. Fate versus Mango, or Mongo. I think it's Mango, because Mongo would be M-O-N-G-O, and this is M-A-N-G-O. So he's fighting Fruit Man. Uh, Mango is burning people (sighs) alive with magic spheres. Wait, wait,
1: wait. Is he best friends with the Cabbage Merchant? Obviously. Fuck yeah. Yeah, because... They all they all run in the same circles. This is the best AU,
0: obviously. Mango is burning people alive with magic spheres that kind of look like Hakuma's uh, Hadoken from Street Fighter. So if you got huh. that in your head, they kind of look like that. And uh, he imprisons Mango in a doll form and then gives it to Inza for safekeeping. Like Inza's the person to handle like strangely imprisoned sorcerers. Like she's just got a room for that. Uh, you know, I believe it. Like, like in her hope chest, she's right. like, well, this will go in here, and like, we'll, never we'll, see it again. We'll
1: probably talk about it in some more in
0: depth later on. Right. More Fun Comics, number 58, August 1940. The first appearance of the Tower of Fate in Salem, Massachusetts. Dr. Fate kills a sorcerer who finds the Book of Thoth and a bunch of fish that get turned evil and some trees that get brought to life and stuff. It's really complicated and (laughs) stupid. Bottom line, the sorcerer finds a magic book from Atlantis and Dr. Fate says, Not today, Satan! And just kills him. And uh, that's body count one. And I'm also doing a question mark body count for all those fish.
1: That's a lot of fish that were, like, just fish. To be honest, like, as a general rule of thumb, assume that the bad guys die. Like, all or most. Anything that we don't describe as explicitly human and is not the primary and is the primary antagonist or minions usually gets killed. Yeah, Uh, more fun comics number fifty
0: nine, September nineteen forty. Doctor Fate kills six aliens by stranding them on Earth. Uh, after they attack an ocean liner, basically he says, well, I'm gonna blow up their spaceship, and they can't adjust to Earth oxygen, much like the War of the Worlds Tom Cruise movie, and, uh, everyone dies. That's right, that was specifically oxygen, wasn't Yeah, it? they were allergic to, like, water or oxygen, and they were just like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, like, we never thought of this, not like an advanced alien species would have been like, you know what, maybe we should just test the atmosphere before we invade a planet.
1: You remember how we did Coup 101 a while back, like, Alien Invasion 101 is... Take some scientific readings. Right. We know what the atmosphere of Mars is like. Exactly. Uh, That's body count. He's up to seven at this
0: point. That's uh, six aliens plus uh, the sorcerer who got the Thoth book. Yeah, Um, so score one for humanity. Way more prepared than sucker aliens. Yeah, (laughs) douche. More fun comics. Number 60, October 1940. Dr. Fate stops, (parentheses) kills five little men who attack a city in away the three Norns who made them. We're gonna say a lot of words that are absolute gibberish and nonsense, but some of you might so, find some, you know, meaning to them. Specifically, I think
1: they weren't necessarily the Norns. I think they were the the individuals who the stories of the three of the three Norns and some other uh, mythology were based right.
0: on. Right, but for the sake In of the simplicity, Norns,
1: we'll call them the Norns. Works for me. Right. Uh, for all the remaining two seconds we'll talk about that issue yeah unimportant to the max
0: <laughs> Dr. Fate destroys oh uh, more fun comics number 61 no, uh, November 1940 Dr. Fate destroys a planet and yep. a scientist who is behind drawing the planet near as it is attacked to earth he commits planet genocide like the Phoenix Force yeah And it's just like, yeah, good, that's done. Brushes his hands off. What's that dude you used magnets to pull this super weird pirate planet towards us that was shooting, I want to say, nebulous ghost sun-eating clouds? And I'm like... There's a lot happening in this issue that we're just not going to talk about you're just gonna blow up a planet and kill this dude so we're gonna count that planet as one and the dude as uh, one because we can't just gimli an entire genocidal race like we do normally but uh, just double we, gimli yeah double yeah you know <laughs> too I, much gimli for just one gim, <laughs> too much gimli for one gim. Uh, more fun comics number 62 December 1940 Dr. Fate kills a man controlling a metal army attacking the world hey look doesn't that sound familiar like that episode I did where I basically made a robot army that was a better story than this oops that's a body count 15 that was my I'm glad that you're keeping track (laughs) more fun comics number 63 January 1941 Dr. Fate kills Hal Dane who tried to use summoned monsters to kill to get a treasure really really thin plots for yeah. all these sorcerers who have like really low aspirations, uh, twelve body, pages. Yeah, body count sixteen. Also, the 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 monster he summons has kind of Grinch fingers, and that weirds me out. More fun comics number sixty four, February nineteen forty one. He stops Mayur from returning to power. Mayur is kind of like a weird sort of Egyptian purplish, um, I don't know, mumra sort of looking dude. He's got kind of like a snake face, but also kind of mum am I'm I'm not really feeling it. Basically, uh, Mayor gets trapped. And he's just like, alright, that's enough of that, and just walks away. More Fun Comics, number 65, March 1941. Dr. Fate stops the... Here we go. Njarl Amen Fishman from conquering the surface world. Body count 18, because he
1: destroys an army! Oh, wow, you you actually read that as Amen. Amen? I, I would go Njarl Amen but then again, that's because I, I, I come from the Lovecraftian tradition with that, where it all sounds vaguely uh, Arabic. Right, and to me, it's, it looks like Amen, like Amen yeah. in church, so I, so I call it Amen.
0: Also, uh, oh, the Njarl Amen, Fishmen are like my favorite thing ever. They're like reverse mermaids. It's amazing. I you are going to say they're your favorite band. <laughs> they should be. They sound like a Norse prog rock band. I was actually going to go with like Irish rock. Nyarl Amen? Yeah, it kind of sounds vaguely Gaelic or Gaelic. Uh, More Fun Comics, number 66, April 1941. Dr. Fate banishes a man from existence, I have that in all caps, (laughs) for trying to get his cousin to kill herself by convincing her she's a leopard girl? Also, apparently vampires don't exist, according to Dr. Fate. Yeah. Like, what the... What? Also, like, I'm gonna convince my cousin she's a leopard girl. Do you just hate your cousin? But also, like, of or... all the things you could convince her that she is, a leopard girl was, like, the easiest con. He had to paint <laughs> spots on her. That's, like, way harder I, than... I thought it
1: was, like, a poisoning kind of thing. Well,
0: yeah, I think he did but... poison her. But I'm like, that seems like a, a little bit of a harder con than just, like, you're a vampire. Or other things. Or werewolves. or I don't know. Like, I just... He had to poison her so that she got mottled spots on her skin, and she's like, "I'm clearly a leopard girl because that's a thing one that we all know about."
1: <laughs> question mark? It, it honestly, they're they're portraying it as though everybody just has that. Oh, like yeah, it's like 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 the kind of cultural you know this thing is like pygmies or <laughs> werewolves or but leopard girls? No, uh, more fun comics number sixty
0: seven, May nineteen forty one, the origin. So uh Dr. Fate is actually Kent Nelson who is the son of an archaeologist who was in Egypt with his son because you take your son to digs in Egypt in the I want to say 30s probably in 1920s 1920s you are right because he has to be at least 20 to 30 to be I think an they adult. specifically
1: actually call it out as 1920 yeah. I think.
0: Right. So, uh, in the 1920s, his father, uh, brings him to Egypt with him, and they're exploring a pyramid, and inside that pyramid, uh, Kent finds Nabu, the giant sorcerer human person alien thing? Question mark? Yeah. And his father dies, mysteriously, uh, from poison booby trap gas. And, uh, Nabu's like, well, I guess your dad's dead, do you want to learn magic and shit? And, like, that's pretty much, like, the most... Yeah. Like that's, yeah, and like, Kent's like, I guess, what the fuck else am I going to do with my life? And he goes, alright, sweet, here's how you levitate and lift rocks and stuff. P.S., magic in this world is just the manipulation of mo- molecules and energy. Which A lot less it. cool than
1: just like straight magic. We're going to go into that, I think. Yeah, eh, maybe. I don't have anything specific on it. I kind of do, but cool. that's about it. Excellent.
0: excellent. Uh, also in this issue... Uh, We fast forward to where Inza and him go to the World of Shadows to stop Nagal. It's tacked on at the end there. We could have spent more time with him and Nabu. Uh, More fun comics. Number 68, June 1941. Happy New Year. By the way, I forgot to say that when we went to the New Year. Uh, Stops a scientist who is using sound waves to kill people. Freaks him out so much he kills himself. I'm going to count that as a body count.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: We're up to 19, by the way, folks, with that one question mark for that whole school of fish. More Fun Comics, number 69, (laughs) July 1941, stops Carcole from making shadow thieves who cannot be stopped, and he makes him forever a shadow. He just likes imprisoning people into terrible things, like, I'm going to banish you from existence, I'm going to put you in a bubble in the center of the earth, I'm going to make you a shadow, intangible by human touch, or any other form of, you know, contact, for the rest of your
1: existence, however long that is to be a shadow he deals with villains like it's the end of a fairy tale a Grimm's Fable <laughs> yeah. or a Chinese fairy tale, yeah. the the unvarnished ones.
0: It's like he deals with every villain in the way that you would like think a villain in a super high fantasy book would be dealt with. The, in the high most... fantasy Dexter. Right. In, in the most Disney way possible also. Yeah. Poetic justice, all of that. Yeah. It's like super weird like this is how you would imagine they would deal with Sauron if he were, like, a person again. Just like, no, I'm back into the ring with you, or, like, some yeah. stupid crap like that. And you're just like, bro, this is, like, a low-level criminal. Like, you can't be doing, like, existence banishment for guys like this. That's it's like the end too- of Aladdin.
1: Yeah, it's, like, the end yeah. of Aladdin on all of and these Ellis. everything that goes with it. Yeah, it's... Oh man, I need to rewatch that. Oh at god, some point. it's
0: but it's like some harsh punishment for some like <laughs> low-level
1: crime dudes. It's, it's really some eternal ass shit. Yeah. But... I'm not sure. Well, actually, I'll disagree with you about the low-level criminals. Wotan, though. not so much. Yeah. I don't I don't think any of the actual like I don't first off, I don't think there are any like normal criminals who are the primary antagonists. And I have more stuff about this later, right. but Fundamentally, I think everyone who is the primary antagonist is something weird and bizarre and the punishments are only visited on them. Right. Other people might die, but that's more hit or miss. Less guaranteed. Closest for hand grenades. Uh,
0: (laughs) More Fun Comics, number 70, August 1941. Karkul returns with Wotan the sorcerer to try and destroy the world's new navies, I guess? Big old navies? With, like... Ocean shit. I don't know. It's not important. Hey, we're Bot- taking over the world. <laughs> yeah. Bottom line, they all get "quote unquote" killed. I'm not sure how this works because basically, Doctor Fate reflects a, uh, a spell back at them that kind of like burns them all. And I can I understand the minions getting killed. I can understand Wotan probably being hurt. I don't understand how Carcole is like dealt with because he's a shadow person. Nothing hurts him. Why does he act as if the fire burns? I don't... What are the rules? There are
1: rules, and you have to stick to them. You can't just do shit. Look, they have physical immunity that does not necessarily confer fire resistance. But that's
0: what, that's what this is, like, what I'm talking about
1: when I'm saying, like, there are rules. <laughs> like, like, there yeah. are no rules. Yeah. These, these are not stories that have any rules. Right.
0: And I'm gonna... It's just body count 20. Like, but but that's that's what I talk about when yeah. you and I have those discussions about their rules. It's like, when you establish that, like, nothing physically can hurt you, you can't just, like, turn around and then say, like, and then he blew up because it serves your story you have to then think of a creative way to deal with this person because nothing physically can harm them you've already said it aloud like if you don't say it aloud it's not a rule but if you say it aloud in either exposition or from a character it's a rule and you have to stick to it you can't just go back over that unless there's a plot reason to do so and in this sense there's no plot reason to do a thing because otherwise it's just i i didn't care to follow
1: my own rules so (laughs) in this case what we have is the rule of the last page Right. If it happens on the last page, then whatever, right. story's resolved. Right, and that's... Yeah, it's, it's a little weak.
0: Yeah. Uh, More Fun Comics, number 71, September 1941. Uh, he stops a man who is using tech to keep the Earth from rotating correctly or orbiting the sun properly so people burn to death. All right. More Fun Comics, number 72, October 1941. He stops a forger and crew from pulling a heist. Um, also, Dr. Fate now has a sweet half-helmet for reasons unknown to anyone other than Dr. Fate. Mm-hmm. Um... And also, we get this weird, like, recurring theme of his weakness being his lungs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have notes about that. Uh, More Fun Comics, number 73, November 1941. He fights against Mr. Who and his Z solution, which allows him to basically adapt to all situations. So Mr. Who basically has any power he needs. And he
1: is evil Teddy Roosevelt. Right,
0: yeah. He's evil, yeah, he's evil Teddy Roosevelt. That's That's a nice way of putting that. More Fun Comics, number 74, December 1941, he continues to fight Mr. Who, who seems to be, have suddenly realized he could impersonate anybody he desired. Like, that was a thing he just was like, oh yeah, I can, like, turn into people. Secondary Not, mutation. Yeah, it was super weird that suddenly he was just like, I'm gonna use this this uh, serum, the solution to, like, be really good at crimes, and then it just occurs to him, like, oh, I could just be mayor. Oh, I could just be president. It's like, that wasn't the first thing you figured out that you could do? Was Leo like,
1: the first thing you didn't you didn't try flying right away? Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> um, more fun comics number seventy five, the last issue. January nineteen forty two. Happy New Year there. I did it on time that time. Uh, he proves Inza's friend innocent by catching a real murderer in his trial. Those were some lame anticlimactic stories at the end there, after like Carco and Mayor and Mago or Mango. Um, Alright, so that's the end of the summary. Not a lot happening. A lot of just Stopping people from doing weird things. I have a couple of notes here about his powers and etc. Uh, powers. Dr. Fate is seemingly invulnerable physically to anything unless it enters his body. So I get the impression that his physical outer... Let's say his skin or his outer form seems to be comprised, more so in, his, in Gardner Fox's words than ours, of mostly energy, which allows him to absorb most attacks and be pretty much for lack of a better term invulnerable he also seems to be immortal because he says he's been alive for a long time
1: we're i'll get into that because that's a that's yeah, a thing that goes yeah. into
0: further versions of dr fate that i have to bring in to talk about some things yeah.
1: I'm, I'm happy saying that he is immortal now though
0: yeah he is immortal now um, and also it seems like the weakness is his organs like, the second you get just inside mm-hmm. his body, he's, like, done. Uh, his powers seem to be centered around manipulating the molecules and energy and atoms of things around him, which is, like, the weakest science magic I've ever heard. It's, like, the yeah. lamest version yeah. of magic. It's, like, it's also science. It's, like, it couldn't just be magic. Like, you couldn't just make it magic and be cool with it. But, uh... The Tower of Fate is a long-standing thing that comes into play forever into DC Comics. You see that a lot. I
1: forgot about that. Um, yeah, it is.
0: So that's a big deal that it kind of gets established pretty much even before his friggin' origin. So that's weird. Salem, Massachusetts is a big deal. Uh, thank you for being someplace else other than New York for at least I don't know, three issues until they just end up being in New York a lot. A um, couple things now. Nabu and Dr. Fate in Dr Fate's immortality. So Nabu in further incarnations of Dr Fate is in the helmet. Nabu essentially is a god or a low-level deity called a lord of order. In the further aspects of this comic for for all intents and purposes in the comic as we are currently reading it, Nabu is a anywhere between seven to ten foot giant white Egyptian guy who just knows magic and was imprisoned in this pyramid that Kent found and was like, hey, you're cool. Oops, my dad's dead. You want to teach me magic and things? He's like weirdly Egyptian Anglo-Hagrid.
1: Also an alien.
0: Also an alien. Um... So, yeah, I mean, do with that what you will. Um, I
1: personally prefer the newer versions were... Oh my, yes. Yeah, the newer, <laughs> the newer versions. In terms of that character, there is no question right. the newer version is way cooler. So,
0: Nabu is in the helmet of Dr. Fate, and when someone puts it on, they are possessed by Nabu and become a vessel for him. Kent Nelson is the first vessel for the god Nabu. Now... This is where we get into the weird Fate being immortal thing, or Nabu being immortal, is that Nabu, technically as a Lord of Order, has existed for as long as the Lords of Order have existed, which means when Dr. Fate has the helmet on, he is speaking as Nabu, and Nabu is saying... I am immortal. Not in the golden age. Not in the golden age version. Yes. This is in like silver age and beyond. Yeah. But when NABU has, when Doctor Fate has his helmet on and he says, "I am immortal," so remember that it's NABU saying he's immortal, not Kent Nelson, because Kent Nelson is a normal human who's lived his life, etc. So, in this version, it's weird that Kent Nelson seems to flip-flop between saying, I was around for a long time, when Nabu
1: seems to just give him the gear and then disappears. They just fucking retcon him after ten issues. It's really strange. It's just a giant retcon. Right. Um,
0: Yeah, because, like, Nabu goes away and we never see or hear of Nabu again, which is... I don't know, I'm, <laughs> and I'm saying Nabu and not Nabu because I say Nabu like the planet from Star Wars, and Nabu is a little bit more, I guess, Egyptian in my mind, um, and it's spelled N A B U. So um, that's my way of differentiating it. You could yeah, say we, could, I mean, we don't see the
1: Ankh at all, do we?
0: No, the Ankh is not a mainstay at this point, even though the Ankh basically becomes his symbol later. I expected that to be on the book. Yeah, wasn't it was his name. So that's kind of a weird sort of like in the future, this will be a thing situation for you so dr fate is technically kind of a weird version of god what's the marvel equivalent uh the phoenix force
1: yeah yeah kind of a weird version of that that.
0: like the Mm -hmm. phoenix force is its own sort of entity and it can take on another individual and then be that individual Mm -hmm. yes uh for those of you marvelly inclined Um, Nabu essentially is just kind of like the Phoenix Force... ...except he is activated when you put on the Helmet of Fate. Um, He then allows you to take it off. Otherwise, if he's like, nah, fuck that noise... um, ...you're him forever. Uh, Watch the show Young Justice... ...and you'll see an exact microcosm of this entire thing that we're talking about. Very good episodes. Nabu is really uh, well depicted in that series. Um, But that's Dr. Fate. I believe we have some probably cross points about Inza... Um, I'll go into a little bit of a, just an explanation Mm -hmm. of who Inza is, and then you can say whatever notes you have. Mm -hmm. Um, Inza is, I, I, you know, I really thought Joan was the weakest sidekick we'd ever seen. But Joan at least has a job. Inza seems to solely exist to be in peril for Dr. Fate to then find and then get involved. She doesn't do anything other than be at high society functions or in the line of fire that then her going fate, fate, doctor, fate, or like thinking about wanting fate to be around. Mm -hmm. And then he shows up. And that's kind of her only function here is to be this weird. It is the closest thing to a golden age mystic doctor who and his companion. A person who really doesn't do much, but is just there for the ride and along to witness the spectacle yes, that is the character, yeah.
1: the the witness. Uh, I will agree with that. I I will also say she kind of serves the role of a Ron Weasley. Yeah, the, the person who is the the normie who is who can explain things, who keeps track with the regular. I mean. She's the Ron, Ron isn't necessarily part of the regular world, but he's part of the world that is regular for these characters. Right. And that's that. all the times where uh, Kent says, I should ask Inza. She understands how people work, how normal society works. She'll have heard about this thing. Yeah. She also
0: seems to have access to things that like, no person of just like any sort of random position should have. It's like, talk to your leaders of things. And she's like, I'll go ahead and do that. And I'm
1: like, <laughs> how? So- how do? So that one, I assume, was just the uh, supervillain not understanding that not every American citizen can just call up the president. But like Doctor Fate but, also yeah.
0: like asks her to do a thing to like contact a high she, functioning level of government,
1: and I was she like, does have more access than most people? Yeah, certainly. She, she, she has enough she, plot. She is access. a lot. Yeah, exactly that. She is a plot device, right? One hundred percent. She has. I I call her powerless not because she's weak necessarily but because her power is entirely dependent on what the plot needs her to do. Okay, so I'm actually going to say something weird for Gardner Fox. Ooh, This was pleasantly non... Not even Mm non-inoffensive for me. And that's just down the line. Like, not even necessarily from the perspective of social justice or anything like that. This is just... The, the way I have it written down is that these are so bare bones that the entire world is actually stronger for it. The, the thing to keep in mind for this, I think, is these are 12-page stories, and all of the dumb shit that made reading Gardner Fox's stuff earlier such a chore, all of the... All of the misogyny, the patriarchy, the cultural patriarchy, uh, or I guess cultural imperialism of Hawkman. There's no space for it here. And as a result, you have stuff that are characters and situations that are so flat that you have one or two pieces of them that you can focus on. And it's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And it doesn't linger on him too long. It, it becomes one of the lines I have is that it's the who and the where are so flat that the what, the how, and a bit of the why are all that's left. And you go through, momentum, action happens, and done. Uh, So there's a couple different ways that that plays out for me. I'm actually going to start with Dr. Fate himself. Having come from all of these other characters who are maybe not hyper-masculine, but performatively masculine, I guess, I think you could actually say that Dr. Fade's gender almost not necessarily could go either way, but I think you can think of him as at least performatively neutral. Uh, His interactions with villains are a little bit rugged manually, and specifically, just it honestly, most of the interactions aren't even that. It's when he's when the requisite fight sequence happens. In the issue there's always one sequence where it's like punch, 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 punch. All right, move on to the rest of everything else. That happens in every single issue, uh, to that point mm-hmm. for
0: a sorcerer supreme, he sure punches a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, it's That's, that it, was it. That's all I <laughs> it, it's very clear that midway through the stuff that we cover, there's a major directional shift that plays out in a couple ways where so, they said very clearly. Make him a little bit more human, or at least put the trappings of human on him, uh, and make him have actual fights instead of just fiery magic. so funny. Yeah, and (laughs) I I think he's stronger earlier on. I don't think they changed him as much as the editorial directive probably was, because I think he's still very neutral in a lot of ways, Uh, but... Yeah, that during those sequences, he's doing the Batman like, oh, nine pins, guess it's a strike, that kind of stuff. But you don't see it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in those situations, he's performatively masculine. But outside of that, he he takes a protective role of Inza. But she's not written as a... I don't think she's written as a damsel in distress. I think she's written as a companion in distress. Uh, I think Inza could easily have been any gender. Uh, and aside from the little bits where it's like, you expect them to be in a romantic relationship, uh, if you remove that expectation, there's nothing there that says they're in a relationship. Like, nothing. Yeah.
0: There's, there's maybe one moment where she said, like, somebody says something about like, oh, that masked man, like, or she Mm -hmm. says something about like wanting to hold someone close. And it's just, like, kind of forgotten and brushed off by Dr. Fade, who seems oddly asexual.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I think... Not like being asexual is weird, but... but... But it is interesting that this is the first character that you could legitimately uh, say, even if uh, you set aside the fact that people who are ace are probably pressured by society into performing as hetero, or at least uh, sexual... Uh, this is a character who could ease just 100%. You don't have to change a thing for Dr. Fate to be ace. Right. Uh, and I,
0: I think that's kind of cool too. And I think that, that feeds in more to the version of Dr. Fate that is a god mm-hmm. in a helmet. Yes. And who is kind of removed from humanity. And I think that's kind of a neat idea to think about. Especially since you you were saying before, like, could have been a woman, could have been mm-hmm. anything. And that does happen. Like, Dr. Fate can be a woman and can be a man. Just depends on
1: who puts the helmet on. Mm-hmm. And I think we do see those, like, reverse echoes of that character in this. Like, I don't think of Dr. Fate as mortal in this. I think, especially earlier on, there's a little bit more humanizing, but by and large, he is a, an archetype of and a momentum and a force. Like, if what we... We've talked about uh, Superman being a non-mortal character, being a set of actions... Uh, This is what happens when you have that same sense of character as actions as force taken away from authoritarian make the mortal world better thing and say protector against external threats. The other the alien other Uh, and he is just a force and to me that's why it works as well as it does or at least works okay with the body count because it is every enemy that he has is either a minion who a human minion who dies or gets punched and gets away but is fundamentally treated as a human not not tortured or the primary antagonist who is either a madman a uh, a magician a crazy magician or alien, or fish threat, an other, an alien other who is no longer bound by human restrictions, or never had them to begin with. And it's just, okay, here is a non-mortal force opposing an othered enemy and all right, they clash in crazy way, in crazy ways with strange magics and the loser gets cast into the earth forever. Yeah, it's like King Kong fighting Godzilla. There's
0: no real mortal stakes. Yeah. They're just two big monsters fighting each other mm. and they're the it's
1: just it's just a fight of two equal forces that are beyond human comprehension. Exactly that. They are not they are not acting within a human space. They are just acting in a space that affects humans. Except for maybe Haldane, Dane, who's kind of a dick and trying to summon things from like another world or yeah, some th- shit. Yeah, there's that little bit of... But even then, he's starting as a mad scientist, right?
0: Yeah. No, some of these Would people... There's
1: see? a couple... Oh, so, so, Karkul is the guy mm. who
0: turns into the Shadow thing. Mm. Haldane is the guy, I think, who uh, actually tries to turn his cousin into a leopard person? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. That's the one story that is kind of almost a Batman story. <laughs> Why think about it when I have notes? <laughs>
0: um, also, again, someone did a... Friggin' I saw a note for this where they mentioned
1: You're Inzo, right? I've seen you in Doctor Fate. Shut up, Gardner Fox. Oh, I can beat that. Oh, I can beat that's that. not cool. I have a note later on that I can beat that. I did some little bits of Gardner Fox research. Right,
0: but it's I just I hate <laughs> it when he does that because it's 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 one yep. thing to talk yep. about like reading Hawkman in Doctor Fate. It's another thing to talk about reading of the character in a comic, which then makes you think, like, are there people writing comics about these people? And that bothers me. I can beat that. Right. I'm gonna blow your fucking mind. On, I'm gonna, <laughs> I gotta find this Haldane thing now, because it's driving me crazy. Um, no, Haldane was the guy who summoned the monster with the Grinch Fingers um the the weird like monster from the abyss to get treasure like he was just some dude
1: uh, I vaguely remember that yeah nah, it's, it's unimportant it's but he's
0: not really anything other than yeah. just a guy versus the guy who tried to turn his cousin into a leopard girl is just another dude like there's a couple yeah. that are just random guys and that guy gets banished into existence out of existence mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there are, like, two of those characters out of, like, the 20 that right. we've read. Yeah, that so is typical. There's
0: there's a couple but. that are, like, not the usual fare of Wotan to Karkol to the Nyarlaymen, whatever nonsense, or the Norns. But, like,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're right. It's usually an extra-human force. And, to be honest, like, because of the way that all wound up being structured... Like, I'm not going to say I really enjoyed this, but I kind of, I certainly enjoyed reading it. It was just a number of quick little stories. Momentum, momentum, done. Momentum, momentum, done. Yeah,
0: honestly, of all the Gardner Fox stuff we've read so far, this is probably my favorite. Yeah. It's the easiest to read, and it's also the easiest to just be like, yeah, all right, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, Flash is shoving turkeys down a dude's throat. Yeah. And you have to be like, well, <laughs> slapstick. Or mm-hmm. with Hawkman, you're like, hmm, white slavery. And this is yeah. just like,
1: eh, fish people. All right, sorcerers and crap. Yeah, sure, I'll go with it. The rules... and uh, So the rules of Flash for me were the campfire An- Anansi stories. These are interpretive dance, like, and that's how... And that's how thunder gets made, because people are beating the shit out of each other in the, in the stars. And that's how I save the world. <laughs> <laughs> but there are those what the fuck are out of tone moments, like when the, when he used a cat as a canary in a coal mine. Oh my god! Yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. He totally
0: kills a cat, just to be like, to prove a point. And he's like, yeah, see, this like weird energy field? And the cat dies. He's like, poor
1: cat. So, so cops, stay out of this field. Look what happens when I put a cat in this field. Yeah. That cat just exploded.
0: That's yeah, messed up.
1: Yeah. Because everything else I can kind of roll with. It's that super was, out of character for him. It, yeah. It just...
0: To just, like, sacrifice any sort of life for the sake of, like, a demonstration.
1: Yeah. There are so many things that he could have done, but whatever. That was one of the few bits that just... No. Uh, also, I th- I think the uh, the phrase that I wrote down for uh, fate and Nins' relationship was, No time for love, Dr. Jones. Yeah. No, it's yeah. just that they really don't... It's not that there is no time, it's that they make zero time. It is yeah. not something that Gardner Fox spends any time on. Ain't nobody got page length for that. It's, it's the last two panels of every one of those issues is him flying away explaining something to Inza. Done. <laughs> uh, so the other bit that's surprisingly flat is... Well, two other bits, actually. The first is a sense of place. There is no sense of place except for the weird places that are introduced like the other planet and even then he kind of goes there very briefly. Uh, the city is just a city. Salem is we just see the tower. We don't even get a sense of the tower as a sense of, as a place. It's just oh Enza's here, I have a brick wall tower. there is no door. there's there's no lingering on it uh, and the fact that there's no sense of place there, kind of makes it easier for this next point. There's no traveling somewhere and having it be othered. The thing that I come back to is, the magic and the places and the enemies are just that. It's not Orientalism. They they are exactly as flat as they look. It is. uh, So Nabu is apparently the Babylonian and Assyrian god of scribes, wisdom, and literature. Which you would not have gotten from that, because it's just... And here's a, a character who is obviously wise, uh, so there's that little bit of inspiration, and that's the extent of his involvement with the historical character. You have the hordes of sticks. It's like, okay, so sticks. we've got uh, dead people, and a boat, and the Grim Reaper. And that's the extent of it. it there's never the othering, or the Ori- Orientalism, or the tropification that we see, especially in Wonder Woman or Hawkman, because... They just don't linger on it. It's just here's this little bit. All right, done. Uh, yeah,
0: even even the weirdly different sorcerers from like other disciplines or eras are just just look like dudes with different skin colors and <laughs> no weirdly char- uh, caricatured features.
1: Yeah, there is there's none. There's no Street Fighter here. Yeah. Uh, what else did That's I have? A good way of putting it. Yeah, and they've got the priests of Zoroaster, Zoroastrianism, briefly mentioned. Done. That's right. it. All right, uh, that's it. All the big stuff. I have little things. Uh, do you have any other big stuff? No, you want sure. Hand us with them. All right. So the lettering sin. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> so one, it is specifically the issue that has the origin story. In E's and F's, the middle line is twice as long. It is horrifying. I'm absolutely going to put this in the visual companion. It is abysmal. It hurts. And it just looks so weird too. It wastes space. And honestly, the justification throughout this, uh, the amount of space between words is just abysmal. Uh, it honestly looks like they put in word bubbles and then said, how do we fit the words into all this extra space? Like, throughout wow. It's The lettering is always going to be bad at this point in time, uh, but it was especially bad in this volume and that specific issue. I would
0: not say bad, I would not, I would say more non-standard, because there's no mm. standardized form, because they're all doing, like, uh, bottom line, Howard Sherman, who's doing the art, who I'm assuming is mm. also doing the lettering, they can't all be jams, like, mm. but because everybody's doing it differently and by hand, um, there's no also probably standardized version of doing comics lettering, so they're all probably just doing it at the same time,
1: going like, oh, do you do your ease that way? I'm I'm actually prepared to say that the, like, setting aside even the that one issue with the E's, I'm prepared to say that the lettering and the spacing specifically in a lot of these issues was bad. Okay, now we're getting into the interesting stuff. So the last things that I have, uh, I thought I had more just random related to that stuff, but everything I've got left is Gardner Fox. So... I didn't realize just how prodigious of a writer he was, how Mm. much he wrote. It's insane. Uh, In addition to comics, like, there's everything else. And he apparently wrote a series of sword and sorcery novels, and I am terrified because Mm -hmm. a novel-length space for him to indulge in the stuff we've seen him indulge in, oh god, it sounds horrifying. No
0: one can tell me no! (laughs) exactly
1: that. (laughs) It gets better. So, you remember, you know how your bugaboo is uh, him in self insertion. Good callback word. (laughs) I know, it's good, isn't it? But have you ever read the Flash of Two Worlds story? I know of that story. I have seen the cover of the story and I know that that story exists. So, apparently, one of the closing bits is Barry Allen saying. I've read comic books about you written by this guy or or, uh, written by that guy uh, Gardner Fox. No. And I should go and tell him about all of this story so he could write it up. No. 100%, Wikipedia says. No. Also... No! (laughs) (laughs) Also, apparently under a pseudonym, uh, he wrote novels called Lady From Lust, L-U-S-T, League of Undercover Spies and Terrorists, and cherry delight this executioner you know what that doesn't surprise me at
0: all nope uh mainly because of the type of other work that artists and uh mm. writers got like and we have that coffee table yeah. book that is super not coffee table appropriate <laughs> of uh, fetish it depends of, on the coffee table right yeah but it's it's fetish art done by the superman artist because that was just, like, another job he had. And that was a thing. Like, that doesn't surprise me that, like, Fox had to su- probably supplemented his income by also writing some trashy, gross romance novels. I'm not sure that's the right word for that. It's a type of romance.
1: I, I mean, yeah. I, I just... mean, it's
0: like dinner and a movie
1: romance. It's as romantic <laughs> I... as Netflix and chill. So, for the record, I am literally on my Kindle, like, it does the ads whenever you do the lock screen. For some reason, it's decided that, like, roughly 25% of the ads I should be served are romantic fiction. Good. I literally have one that is, ah, oh God, I can't remember the exact, uh, science made her a werewolf, but, uh, love something something, and she's, uh, an American werewolf lusting after the gray wolf alpha instant bestseller new york times bestseller instant instant classic it could be good for all i know but what have i bought amazon in the past 12 months that makes me the target demo for this ad i'm sure that person is just like market
0: to all with all the money that i have every demographic all
1: oh god that's the worst though why why would you waste your money like that (sighs)
0: Bro, you wrote that book. You can waste as much money as you want. You have talent. You got <laughs> talent to burn.
1: Also, I'll occasionally get stupid thrillers with really bad summaries. Mm. Uh, hacking in was easy. Hacking out is even harder. Yes!
0: Yeah, I mean... I don't know if there's much else we can talk about with Dr. <laughs> Fade. Uh, as it, it stands. Inoffensive and not awful. Yeah, this is, this is yeah. good, like... I want to read... You know what? This is something you give to somebody when they're like... But all old comics can't be like Wonder Woman, right? And you're like, you know what? They're not. And this is what all other old comics are like. You know, like all old superhero comics. Like in the the most generic, non-offensive, non-political mm-hmm. way, Dr. Fate and I want to say the Sandman are probably the most non-offensive, yeah. uh, pulpy, weird, you know, sci-fi, magic comics you can give someone mm-hmm. should you be
1: interested. This is what it looks like when it isn't an exception. Right. Uh, uh, it's, it's like, they can't all be Superman, they can't all be Batman, they can't all be Wonder Woman. Here is some super middle-of-the-road shit. Yeah. You are correct, yeah. and here's what it is. And it's... Yeah, like, the closest
0: I've, to this would probably be Green Lantern. Yeah. It was probably uh, I would, the, it I would was agree, yeah. It was the closest, the least defensive one, uh, mm-hmm. for other reasons, minus the Mexican storylines.
1: Yeah. That one's... Green Lantern is closer. He had two strikes against him,
0: on like in Green Lantern mm-hmm. for Bill Finger... Um, but of, of all the other Bill Finger works, this one was probably the, that, Green Lantern was probably the least patriarchal and offensive because of the way his, yeah. his, his significant other was and how proactive she was. And then you had Doibee and then you had, mm-hmm. um, all the other adventures. Uh, yeah. Honestly, if you were going to give somebody some golden age comics to read that you wanted to be the least problematic, yeah. probably Green Lantern, Just... Dr. Fate and the Sandman. Yeah. If you want some... Sp- like some pretty solid old school Golden Age comics. This is probably the most Golden Age
1: of all the Golden Age comics we have. Did we just recommend a book that took a month to get to us?
0: Uh, no, this one took a week. Okay. The other one yeah, never arrived. Well, yeah. So buy from the <laughs> correct seller on Amazon. Um, it's probably going to be a used copy. Buy this
1: out of print book. Yeah, buy this out
0: of print <laughs> book if you're really into it. And cause we are I mean... the worst corporate shills. Ch- <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I mean, the thing is, with with a lot of these comics that we've been reading, I mean, p- a primary amount of the ones that we've been covering, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, uh, Flash, Hawkman, they're all very interesting studies in weird, holy shit, look at how weird and racist the 1930s and 40s were, or like, mm-hmm. this is a strange storyline, or wow, Superman's a commie, like, those are all studies in those bizarre instances even batman is a study and look how weird batman is yeah uh specifically because we live in such a batman influenced culture dr fate the sandman and green lantern are pretty solid just run-of-the-mill this is this is your typical superhero serial of just fighting crime you know right and wrongs and kicking butt and taking names and it's it's nice to kind of see things like that that are, for lack of a better term, normal. Yeah. That aren't, you know, pissing us off. That aren't, you know, making us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That are just like, yeah, this was a good comic. Like, we felt probably the same way we feel about Dr. Fate that we did about the Sandman. Enjoyable, I've...
1: enjoyable pulp popcorn reads. I would say that Sandman wins out because it has more personality and it manages to avoid being too rough with that personality. But... I will say that uh, Dr. Fate is a smoother ride overall. absolutely. It's it's in the same vein and category. So if you're looking for Mm
0: -hmm. some old uh, golden oldies, probably Dr. Fate's uh, a good bet for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since we're doing Dr. Fate again, uh, probably next episode, we're going
1: to wrap that up and uh, we're going to look at our first team book. And we have our... at least I am not allowed to look at who's writing it. I'm not looking at it either. All right? We so, are intentionally not looking uh, at who wrote uh, the JSA, or I guess All-Star Comics?
0: It's the All-Star Comics issues of the JSA. We're, we're mm-hmm. essentially playing Who's That Pokemon with the writer. <laughs> and uh, It's Pikachu! You know, <laughs> That's so good. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're kind of playing a little bit of a game with ourselves to see if we can kind of guess based off the writing. And what's going to happen is we're going to do the summaries, we're going to do our notes... And then I'm going to tell you at the end of the episode who it was.
1: You know it's going to be funny. Mm-hmm. I bet it's not anybody we know. I hope it's not. <laughs> I really hope it's not. Purely for the for the for how refreshing that would be. Mm-hmm.
0: Because so far we've only really encountered four writers. Yeah, Bill Finger, Gardner Fox. I can never remember which one did the writing of Siegel and Schuster, but the Superman team um, and Marsden and really there's not a lot of variety in the writers as far as the amount of characters and granted I'll I'll chalk that up to here's a writer's pool here are the books you have to write for come up with some stuff I'm waiting for us to get a different writer and I think to get that we may have to go to an entirely different company and I'm excited for when we do that because that's one of my favorite characters of the golden age and now honestly current age too and when we go to him, I'm, I'm super stoked for all of the shenanigans that will ensue for what is essentially kind of like a Scooby-Doo-esque version of all the nonsense we've been reading. So, uh, we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening, and uh, more Dr. Fate coming up at you. DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and website, as well as our Instagram for up-to-date pictures. Inza's case lit the fire underneath us again. It also made us feel better that the good doctor hadn't ignored us, but was merely missing altogether. He had been lost to the annals of time beneath flashier and more marketable magicians. Traveling to Salem, Inza told us of her adventures with the sorcerer, and his origins, and the good deeds that he had done. The more she spoke, though, the more Matt and I realized that we needed to delve deeper into this mystic being masquerading as a man.